good cat. He gets in trouble if he doesn't get attention during the podcast. <laughs> He's looking directly at the hey, camera. <laughs> so cute. Talk on the podcast. Podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you want to make a sound, bud? Meow. No. Come on. Animal. Animal French. Oh, he doesn't want to do it. I'll bring him back. <laughs> That's Well, fair. those were uh, Kat's thoughts on the focus of the show's none. <laughs> he didn't prepare. His name is Fig, and you can follow him on Instagram. It's true. At fig.cat. <laughs> everybody and welcome to Turtle Recall, a podcast where we read some more of Pierce books and yell about them. Not just Turtle because today we're starting on Emelon Books. Um, I am your host this podcast. My name is Kelly. My pronouns are she, her, and I would like to introduce to my co-hosts a query, which is, if you had a special Emelon craft-based magic, what would you want it to be? Um, and I will go last. <laughs> Unless you want me to go first, <laughs> I can go first also. Uh, no, no, you said you were going last, so go last and stun us all. <laughs> um, <laughs> my name is Amy, my pronouns are she, her, and if I had a craft-based magic, I think I'd really want to do, like, sculpting. I like the tactile idea of, like, working with clay and then having something magical happen. Alternatively, improv. And when someone else does magic, I just say, yes, and what you're doing works. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) I like the idea of improv as a craft, and now I don't feel as bad about my uh, first answer, which is weirdly confrontational of Kelly's question. Oh, no. Okay. Wait, wait. One of the crafts is just weather. Yeah, so this is really broad. This is broad interpretation. <laughs> um, I'm Grace. My pronouns are she, her. And my first answer to this question was, I would want to be really good at close-up magic. <laughs> Grace. <laughs> Grace. You're the light of my entire life. <laughs> and then I couldn't think of any other answers. So. No, Grace, that's the best one. Grace, that's pretty meta. It's like close-up magic magic. <laughs> Yeah, I want close-up magic magic. <laughs> All the rest of our answers are cancelled. <laughs> but, like, the, like, cheesy, like, comedy weird kind. We we know what you mean. You're going to take a quarter behind, out from behind my ear and that's going to stop a hurricane. Exactly. That's where I'm at, personally. So, my name is Shelby and my pronouns are she, her, and I have a much more conventional answer, disappointingly, but I would definitely want cooking magic because then I get food at the end of it. Oh, I thought that was going to be Kelly's answer, honestly. That's what um, it was, but fortunately I prepared three answers. So. <laughs> okay, can I just like follow up with my reason for wanting cooking magic would not be for having food. It was because I watched this anime when I was younger called Fighting Foodons about chefs who made food and it turned into Pokemon like monsters that battled each other. So just saying. But... Um, <laughs> That's what I want. 
Um, I think I would want drawing magic, and I would like Harold and the Purple Cranet up. You know, ah, that's cute. I like Aww. that. I would, like draw really cool things, and they'd be like my drawing best friends. It would be awesome. There's a character in a podcast that does that. The podcast is called The Beacon. It's a fiction. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even say it. We're doing the first book in Tamara Pierce's Circle of Magic series. Um, that's Sandry's book. Um, in case you thought we were going to, like, change it up for this new universe, no, we will still continue to do everything the same, including completely forgetting to actually name the book we are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be an episode of Tortle Recall if we told anyone what book we were talking about? <laughs> Um, but we have another disclaimer redoing things exactly the same, which is that we may not have renamed our segments yet. Um, <laughs> so we are, perhaps Shelby can put this more diplomatically than I can. <laughs> well, yes, it's just that we welcome audience participation. We value our audience. And so we are looking to you, our audience, to shape this new chapter of our podcast, by which we mean please send us name ideas. We have no idea. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably think of them if you don't want to send us ideas, but if you do, we might use it on this podcast that you listen to, and that might be cool. Yes, so please send us your name ideas uh, for this episode. They will be just named generically, not with the names that we used for the Tortle series, but just with what the segments actually are. So with that, let's talk about our background with this book. Mm. <laughs> this is going to be like a major bummer. <laughs> Should we come up with like <laughs> bad puns to get it, to get things going just to really grease the wheels of audience participation? Okay, let's do really bad names. Okay, I like the background of the book that we just each get to say, this is Grace's book. <laughs> In the past, I read this okay, book. Okay, <laughs> cool. The joke here is that all of the books in the first Circle of Magic series are just named with a character's name and then book after them for our listeners. <laughs> um, Kelly, I'm requesting this service for all the jokes I make. <laughs> now the joke <laughs> The joke that Grace is making now is that Kelly explains the joke. You know, my hero, my humor is just so esoteric that it's it's hard for others. It's just spin out of control. Yeah, guys, we are bringing in energy today. Um, so I'm just gonna talk about my background with this. Okay, one. please, thank you. Please okay. introduce it the way I have instructed. Okay, welcome to Amy's book by Tamara Pierce. Um. <laughs> So, uh, with the gift of weaving silk thread and creating light, me, Amy, (laughs) stole this book off of Aurora's bookshelf once while I was visiting her and she had to go do work stuff. And then I went to a cafe and read three quarters of it. And then I borrowed it from her again last week and then I read it. Beautiful. (laughs) What masterfully crafted prose. I love Amy's book. Well, you know, with Tamara as a co-writer, how can I go wrong? Um, Grace, do you want to follow up? Sure. This is Grace's book. Um, I think that I've said on the podcast before that I actually did like the Emelon books the most of the Tamara Pierce books when I was younger. And so I've read this book so many times and I really liked it. And I feel like I have like very 
a lot of fondness for a lot of parts of the book, and it was fun to reread it and remember how much I liked it. Is that what we normally say? I feel like I'm kind of rusty. Yeah, that, was, that seemed good. <laughs> I think we got it. We're all a little loose. We're loose tonight. Yeah. We're coming back and getting back in the shape, you know? We're just warming up, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do our normal podcasting warm-up, so it's hard for me to get in, though. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, so, Shelby's book. Um, I'm the opposite of Grace. I definitely came to these after the Tortal books, and I was a little skeptical of the fact that they weren't set in Tortal, but I finally gave in and checked one out from my school library, (laughs) and I'm just, like, continued to enjoy them more as I get older. Like, I think I read them maybe actually slightly late, um, which meant that, like, as I've as I've reread them over time, I just get more and more charmed by them. Nice. Um, yeah, I also read these books when I was a youth. Um, I think I also read the Tamora Pierce. The, not Tamora Pierce. <laughs> these are also They're all Tamora Pierce. I also read, um, I think, the Alana and Dane series before I read any of the Emelon books. Um, and I definitely liked them less as a child. So I probably only read them maybe the whole series, maybe like twice through, maybe three times through as a child. Um, then tried to read them again in, like, late high school or college and was like, these are for babies! And then didn't read them again <laughs> until now. Um, when also, similarly, I am finding myself really enjoying them. So they're not for babies. They're for everybody. <laughs> that was Kelly's book. <laughs> I mean, for babies is part of for everybody. <laughs> not just babies, though. I am also a baby. But <laughs> I think others <laughs> could enjoy <laughs> Moving on. (laughs) Moving right along here. What an energy today. The next segment is where we do a brief plot summary. Um, Any ideas? Spinning a tail, spinning a yarn! (laughs) Kelly, 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 Kelly. I'm so proud of Thank you. Thank you so much. Look, so proud. I'm just heading right on over to our Google Doc and writing that down. <laughs> oh, please. That was a real, like, um, buzzer beater energy that I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Is that how it feels to just, like, interact with me? Yeah. Yeah, more or less, Amy. Wow. <laughs> I love this. I love that this happens. This is definitely super chaotic right now (laughs) just like good chaotic energy i like it yeah i think we're all about to do some traveling and like (laughs) i think we're all just having a real week of it so um with that does somebody actually want to do spin it spin it spin us a yarn somebody okay Okay. um does anyone have a summary aurora's not here aurora's not here why would you ask that Aurora's not here. Okay, in the absence of Aurora. I was just going to read the back of the book. <laughs> no, no, no. We can okay. do better than that. Okay, so everyone has a tragic backstory. That's like the first third of the book. Sandry is the same as Disney's Anastasia. Whoa. <laughs> Except, whoa. <laughs> okay. Okay, a child, a childless dad wandering the land. Okay, um, let's get some character names in here. Like, okay, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking over. 
Nico, a childless dad. So so there are four four youths, and their names are Sandy, Daja, Tris, and Briar. And all of them have tragic backstories, and basically all of them are orphaned or otherwise parentless. And also, like, about to die. And also, like, about to die in the beginning. And then, who's that? It's Nico. A childless dad. A childless dad, yet another tall, skinny, mage, academic man who's like, let me just pluck you from this situation. Where should we go? He says. And then they go to the Winding Circle Temple. Um, I assume it's winding and not winding. (laughs) (laughs) It's winding. (laughs) I haven't read the books and I know The Winding Circle Temple, which is a place where people study magics basically people do magic and become dedicates at a temple which is like religious but also magic confused about that but anyway so they all go there (laughs) then they all are having trouble settling in so they get sent to the special cottage in the winding circle called discipline where they meet two moms which two childless childless moms named lark and rose thorn and there they settle in become slowly BFFs with each other, realize their super cool magical powers, get a new dog friend, and then what the heck, they're trapped underground during an earthquake? And then they almost die, but they do magic, and then they live. The end. This ragtag group of misfits learns to become unlikely friends through sharing magic, sharing living space, and also kind of just like kicking it. You know, kicking they kicking it. it. It's a very touching story of friendship being born, which I think we will definitely get more into. But finding friends, finding family, finding magic, jumping into the sky, freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> that is our anime, <laughs> Circle of Magic. <laughs> I was thinking like after school special, but I think it has both energies. Okay, well, that's the brief plot summary. <laughs> um, oh, wait, we also wanted to talk about what's different than what we remember and, like, what did and didn't hold up well. Um, I think I'll defer to Grace and Shelby for that because I didn't really remember um, too much from this book, so I wasn't, like, surprised or unsurprised by anything. Um, I just, I really like this book, um, <laughs> and I like the part at the beginning where they all are having tragic backstories because I remember how much as a kid it just seemed like the most heart-wrenching, like, oh my god, I just wish they were had somebody to be there for them, and then they get people to be there for them, and that really held up for me. It was so scary as a kid. I think, honestly, that was one of the reasons the first time I read it, I was like, I don't know about this book. Like, she's, like, locked in a wall, and no one knows where she is, and she's going to die. Like, that was very scary. Yeah. That was creepy. And it still remains fairly dark. Um... And Daja is lost in the sea, and nobody knows where she is. She's gonna die. Yeah, everyone's gonna die, yeah. except Tris. Tris is gonna be fine. She's just gonna be, like, stuck in a bad school. Yeah, she's just going to be mercilessly bullied and feel abandoned and also be afraid of her own, like, mind. So that's fine. She might also kill somebody. Like, I feel like that's the trait. Everybody else is, like, about to die. Tris is, like, getting near to, like, accidentally killing someone. So just... Right. Yeah. But- Briar is just on the streets named Roach and named after a bug and going to jail. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's very tragic. I also think that I really enjoyed rereading the beginning because it, like, I think I mentioned before that I'm, like, not a very good 
visual reader, but for some reason this book has always seemed really cinematic to me where I really can picture everything that's happening. Um, and maybe that's just like I read it young enough or something. But this, I mean, I don't know, you guys, this book just really, this really held up for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I also think it's fun seeing like what happens in this book. Like, it's impossible for us not to compare it to the other Toy Tall books that we've been reading, right? And I'm sure we'll, like, do that more, even if it's not always fair. But, like, one of because of that, I think one of the things that I just kept being delighted by was, like, the tutelage and, like, the mentorship in this book, which was very solid. Like... Everyone has a specific advisor for their own magic. The, the thing that came into my head was it's, like... Tortal is like, you know, your normal school, and this is like the alternative school where like everybody <laughs> sits on beanbags and learns how to meditate and like the teachers deeply care about your like emotional state. And I'm like, yes. God. Yes, please. Yeah, Turtle is like the public school where and I was about to just tell some really specific stories about my high school that I would prefer not to <laughs> do here. Just imagine. <laughs> I feel like Turtle's just very much like you throw the kid in there and are just kind of like, do what you can. You will get help, maybe. And whereas this seems very like, listen, you were just in a really bad situation and we're going to do what we can for you. And that's really nice. It is really nice. Um, I have a, a big picture thought, which is that I really, which apparently we're doing. Uh, Tortal, to me, always, a, a lot of the Tortal books, I would say almost all of the Tortal books, feel like they're really about like individual strength and grit and perseverance, which are all great. Um, but to me, these books feel like they're about community strength and warmth and coming together. Um, and th these kinds of stories just really get me like mm -hmm. they really do and this is the book that like this is the series of books that I would always come back to that made me feel like that like warm and like happy and like oh, friendship is is the, the real thing that <laughs> you know <laughs> um, yeah. I really like these books <laughs> oh and to that note actually I think that the changing perspectives in these books were so successful in a way mm -hmm. that I was almost surprised by. And part of that is probably because this is a, like, this is a book about them sort of forming a community with each other. So all of them are such full characters and all yeah. of them mm -hmm. have such deep relationships with one another because they are, because that's what's important in this story. And I really like that. Yeah, no, we'll probably talk about this more in friendship sections, so I don't want to go into it too much. But you really get, like, all the different connections. It's not just like, and they are a group of four. It's like, oh, no, and this is how, like, Sandry makes friends with Daja. And this is how, like, you know, Triss and Briar get along and, and so on and so forth. And, like, that, I like that a lot. Um. Shelby, I don't want to, like, put you on the spot, but I feel like you often have thoughts about questions like this. I feel like the, like, multi-perspective thing really had a moment in YA. Um, do you have any thoughts about that hmm. as a trend? You're definitely right that it's, like, one of those things that I think kind of comes and goes, but I couldn't, I, I don't feel like I have a great idea of, like, where it's at now or where it was at the time of this book. Because I feel like there's books that do it not well. That's true. And this book does it well. And I, I feel like partially because there's four such strong characters, um, 
I don't know when I'll, when I'll reveal I do have a least favorite, <laughs> but they're all my favorites. Just one is my least favorite. But I there's no character where I'm like, ah, darn, a whoever chapter, you know? I think part of that is like, I don't know, for me, what works so well about the perspectives is like, it's not kind of the classic multi-perspective thing where like, you sit in one person's perspective for like quite a while before shifting. Mm-hmm. Like, she like, does it fairly seamlessly like within scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And you get, so, so you don't, so one of the problems with multi-perspective books, I feel like, is sometimes you get like, the person who has the more interesting plot line and the person who has the less interesting plot line and like, independent of the characters, it makes you dislike certain POVs Mm -hmm. and like in this one you get to see like the same perspective and I think that's part of what makes it as we noted like so strong in the relationships because like you get you know Sandry freaking out because they're in the dark and then you get somebody else seeing her freak out and reacting to that and like that builds those relationships very effectively right and you get to see someone having compassion for her right Mm -hmm. yeah like there are parts of it where that where that type of writing is used to create a fuller picture of one situation. But another thing that I thought was really interesting and really well done was the beginning where it was about four events that were happening at at very different times, but presented as though they were happening concurrently so -hmm. that you sort of see the ways that everyone is sort of going through a similar journey, even though Mm -hmm. they are all in very different places and experiencing very different things. Mm -hmm. And it kind of creates this like parallel place and this equal ground for all of the characters to sort of latch onto each other from even though like that's not how the chronology was and it's very obvious I liked it a lot yeah to your point about it being obvious I really have I think like a a soft spot in my heart for books for young readers that kind of guide you through some sort of more complex literary construction like Mm -hmm. the idea Mm -hmm. of parallel stories like which is sometimes done very complexly um but in this case is done in a way that just makes you see it like amy was saying like builds it up together uh and that i think teaches young readers to do literary analysis in in a kind of like teaching while you experience way yes and it also is just so much more interesting than if those four stories had been told one after the other because they did follow a similar trajectory Mm -hmm. for each time so it created this kind of like narrative interest at that I think was more successful than if it had been a repetitive like a, just a repetitive here's four things that happened go 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 or it was just like one person's story in the beginning and then you learn more as it goes on right I don't know I liked it as a choice and I like thinking about <laughs> it as a choice yeah also the obvious but great literary symbolism of like creating a light in the dark was like a little bit beautiful (laughs) it's just nice it was just i and like that's how it both opened and closed was have sandrick either creating a light alone by herself in a room or her friends made it for her in a crystal i like friends a lot (laughs) to keep her safe (laughs) To keep her safe because they care about her. And in the beginning, she had just lost everyone. And now... And now she has people who care about her. God, I love having human emotions. <laughs> oh. Okay, sorry. What's this segment about again? This one was a brief plot summary. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. 
fact, instead of spinning a yarn, well, we did spin a very long yarn, it ended up going Emelon and on. Emelon! Podcast canceled. Pun credit to Grace. <laughs> Podcast canceled. We're done. Well, with that, um, shall we move on to the next section, which is plot and world building, which we need a, na- a temporary name for. What should it be? Unwinding circle. <laughs> you said that for every segment. <laughs> I know, but one of these times is gonna stick. Um, I mean, we could just do it. I don't know. Um, can we call the friendship segment a light in the dark? I think that'd be cute. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, we just had a lot of feelings, so we gotta. Okay. We can have more feelings later. Talk about the world building. World building, which for now is called Unwinding Circle because we don't have a better name. But yeah. we'll see about that. Um, so this is plot and world building, so we'll talk about like the general book structure, world building concepts, magic and religion, and then we'll have our very fast linguistics, which has been relayed. Thieves can. Yes, they can. Thieves can. Thieves can. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Wow, when I was reading this, I had, like, so many feelings about, like, how the magic in this world works differently than, like, Tordal, and it was really cool, (laughs) non-specifically, but I don't know, it seems like, I mean, I found it really interesting after reading the Tordal books where it was, like, all gods all the time, gods, 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 in this book, like, there definitely are gods, like, they exist, like, they mentioned a couple of them, but it's, like, super not as big of a deal. That's yeah. my impression. Yeah. Even though they're, yeah. like, literally in a temple. <laughs> right. Well, I also, I was thinking about it because I was, like, a temple, um, and I wanted to, like, briefly mention, I don't know if this will resonate with other people, but, like, temples are both historically and in a lot of places and, and belief systems, like, really big educational scholarly places. So I don't want us to go temple automatically means religious, you know, if that makes sense. Or, like, solely religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I definitely see you. Yeah. Sorry, Shelby, were you going to say something else about magic, too? Uh, this was going to be about magic, but it wasn't about gods anymore. So Yeah, that's fine. That's all I had to say about that. <laughs> I just... This magic system, guys. It's so good. And, like, I feel like... I mean, it's good at every single point in this book. But I do feel like the climax of this book, where they're underground and they're, like, trying to use all of their different very specific magics for the sole purpose of keeping them safe is, like, evidence and, like, the the quintessential, like, pinnacle of how this is so good. That was, like, three metaphors. Anyway, um, <laughs> that, like... But if you put those three <laughs> metaphors together... <laughs> when you have a really good magic system, you can have a climax where the thing is just, like, they keep themselves safe and intact in this space. Like, that's the only thing they accomplished. Yeah. But it was fascinating because the magic was so interesting that you were like, okay, how do you use plants to keep yourself safe underground? And how do you use metal underground? And, like, that gave her so much more to work with than, like, if it was, you know, if Numer was underground, he'd just be like, okay, all of the rocks are now away from me because I made them away from me. All the rocks are people and now a lot of people are rocks. (laughs) I guess it made me curious, too, though, because, I mean, according to the book, this book at least, they have, like, 
more untraditional magic. So I wonder, and I feel like we don't get as much from this book, and I can't remember if it happens later. But like, if the other mag, some of the other magic users at least, even within the temple, are doing more like numeric like things of just like, well, obviously some people are scrying, and like some people are like they said like, oh, we weren't born, and we did like light fires or like move things with their mind and stuff like that. No, I think it's heavily implied that most people just have like regular mage magic, which is like run of the mill. And then some people have these really specific crafts magics. And it's just really good because the way that like all the magics can interact with each other, even if it's not your thing, if you look at it through the lens of your own magic is really good. I have a question, though. I have a question, though. It's about craft-based magic. Is the wind, is weather a craft? Yes. <laughs> Meteorology is a hobby. Meteorology is an art. I don't actually have strong opinions It's not on that. quite, like, I feel like she was, like, doing crafts, and she was, like, metalworking. Like that. Spitting. Love it. Mm. I want to do plants, so gardening's good. Then she was, like, need another one. <laughs> need another one. Okay, so, like, death of the author. She's She's gone. There is no author. However, if we want to talk about intent related to these powers, I am going to say that, like, she's put in the craft magic cabin because (laughs) some people are nerds with telescopes and that's their whole hobby and we should be kind to them yeah sure i mean i agree but that's not exactly like predicting earthquakes i do adore it but i do like this like (laughs) meteorology is a hobby Music is a hobby, dance is a hobby, or it's an art. It's specifically like it's an art. And arts are included in craft-based magic regardless of whether they make a thing or not. Like, this is definitely established (laughs) in later books. So. I also, like, have, I don't know, just, like, when I was thinking about it when I was younger, too, and now, I just feel like, I mean, you know, like, their powers all work together in interesting ways. But Tursus is just, like... So okay. much more intense, though. Can we be real here? Yeah. <laughs> she is, Triss is super OP, and honestly, she deserves it. Yeah, I did not, I, I'm revealing, Triss used to be the one that I did not like, but now rereading, really like her. I like her a lot. I'm going to talk about Triss later, I think, like a lot. I care about her deeply, and I think that I'm happy for her hobby, which is the craft of making the weather happen. Okay. Oh, you know what it is? Have you ever seen Zoom? No. Uh, like the TV show? The Yeah. You know how they would make cyclones in a bottle with two soda cans? Two soda bottles, sorry. I don't. I don't know. I think it's like people who are like super into hiking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or are you saying that she's like her craft is being the person who like works at a children's science museum who makes exhibits about the weather? Yes. <laughs> she is a science fair nerd. Okay, here's the thing. These kids come from four distinct houses. Briar, goth. Triss, nerd. <laughs> Sandra, prep. Daja, I don't, I can't tell if she's a jock, but she's the closest thing we have. Closest to jock. She's a jock. Yeah. And that's fine. (laughs) I have another feeling about labeling them, though, which is the the temples here are, like, the temples within the Winding Circle are, like, established in an Avatar-like manner, as in they are the same things as Avatar. 
Water, fire, earth, air. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yes. But, like, do they each belong to, like, does each of their power belong, like, more to one of them? I'm, like, trying to figure out if that's the truth. Daja was found in the water and also, like, has a But I think she might actually be fire. I had a really strong association with this that I was thinking about earlier today, and I couldn't remember if it, like, turned out to be part of the books or if it was just something I had tried to figure out before. Um, I think Daja's fire, Briar's earth, Triss... I'm gonna say water and sandry air. I don't know. I don't feel like it's like a very interesting. No, I think Triss is air because she talks to the wind, and Sandry is water because yarn acts as a fluid. Oh. Oh, sure. <laughs> I thought I thought it was also that Triss was water and Sandry was air, but I'm like air isn't yarn. Was <laughs> <is> my problem. <laughs> oh, kitty! It oh really there's the boy. Yarn is not an element, is the problem. <laughs> Speaking of yarn, Grace is holding her whole cat right now. It's really cute. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's get back on track here. We were doing yes. world, world magic, building. Magic, magic, Okay. Good quote. Good quote from the book about the magic. Sweet. Um, is Frostpine, um, when she's For like... your cat name? Yes? Frostpine, yes. for your cat name. Okay, um... <laughs> <laughs> when Dasha's like, why didn't you tell me I'm magic? And Frostpine's like, learning to work metal is more important. This odd power I have that you have, it's not like the University Mages. Um, our only magic only works as well as the things it passes through. I love this idea! Yeah. yeah. I think this connects yeah. to the larger idea of, like, one of the things I love about this magic system is that, like, it's really kind of revaluing things that are not as valued mm-hmm. in a lot of yeah. places the kids reading these books probably are right like it's saying like okay like just being good at book learning and the academic stuff is like not the only way to be good at things Mm -hmm. great i love the idea of a book for young readers that a big part of it is about really how there are different types of intelligence Mm -hmm. and we need to like respect people for what they bring to the table um, and value them for that instead of looking at everyone the same way. I also have a world building thought that's unrelated, but um, um, I was thinking about, to me, it feels kind of like, um, you know, we've talked about like maybe Emelon and Tordal are like different places on the same big globe, <laughs> conspiracy theory, galaxy brain. But um, <laughs> um, I I could read this personally as, like, it being the same magic system, but, like, the way that you interpret and interact with power affects the way that you can utilize that power, you know? Yeah. Um, So it's, like, all the same magic, all the same source, um, but you can, like, channel it different ways. And I think the best evidence of that is actually not just the craft magic, but the Mamander magic. Because that's the first evidence we have. So for those of you who haven't read this book lately, the Mamanders are the traitor mages, and they have like a whole different way of dealing with magic that allows them to do very specific different things. And it's the first evidence we have in really any of her books of the idea that like magic is culturally based and that depending on what culture you come from, you might use magic in a different way. Um... Yeah, that was super cool. Um, and yeah. I think there was, like, a, a interesting, like, plot point from Nico there, too, where, like, you know, he didn't tell them that they were magical for a long time and, like, wouldn't provide them with, like, clear answers on, like, how to use their magic and stuff. And he was, like, trying to let them, like, you know, forge their own way without giving them a 
prescribed idea of what magic is and the right way to do it and stuff like that. And I thought that was like similar to what you were saying and really cool. Right. I really like the um, idea too in this book that like in a lot of ways it's not about power, it's about practice. Mm -hmm. Like um, Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. I, I just like this magic system a lot. I really got into it. And um, I'm interested to see what we learn as we go through the rest of the books as far as, like, how it can be defined and the rules. Um, did anybody have any other world-building thoughts maybe outside of magic? Uh, yeah. Just one very specific weird thing that I got found hilarious. Um, first of all, well, it's actually two things. First, the greenhouse and the tomatoes. <laughs> Wait, yes! Fruit Watch is back! Fruit Watch! Except they call them vegetables. Exactly. Uh, Culinary vegetables. And that in itself is the Fruit Watch. Alright, thanks for joining me on Fruit Watch 2K19. See you in 2020, everybody. That segment name does not need to change. <laughs> Rose Thorne's, like, complete belief that, like, greenhouses are the worst thing to have ever been invented <laughs> is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And then the second favorite thing in this thread is windmills, also horrible, according to this book. <laughs> according to this book. Wait, I don't remember windmills. It's the, um... <laughs> Him and his machines, the one that turns one kind of magic into another. What was the last oh. one? Oh, yes. A mill that was supposed to turn wind magic into lightning magic? How could I forget? <laughs> oh, my god! I did not even read that that way. That's very it's funny. Just a oh, my. oh, my God. That's just... That's a... Is Tamara Pierce... Okay, author's dead, but... Are you okay? Are you good? Uh, let's resume our regularly programmed content. Okay, um, so, (laughs) right, okay, so this is a world that does not like technology. (laughs) Which is weird, because Tortal is a world that doesn't like magic, Uh but this world does like magic, but doesn't like technology. Can magic and technology exist in the same time? Will there be a series where technology and magic actually coincide in such a way that is not horrifying? (laughs) I'm looking at you, Kelbux. Or... (laughs) Or, like, looked down upon by the people around them. Who knows? Maybe in this series, we'll find out. Are they going to industrialize? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) I don't want somebody to teach me what an automata is again. (laughs) Then I won't. Um, Does anybody else have world-building thoughts? (laughs) Uh, Should we start talking about linguistics and the many uh, languages and dialects featured in Yes, that sounds like a fantastic idea. So, Thieves Can. Fantastic. Okay. Thieves Can. Welcome to Thieves Can. Thieves thieves can have little of linguistics. I have a linguistic thought. I'm not a linguist. I'm the the resident non-linguist. But, so, I really, this is a Thieves Can't thought. So, Briar speaks Thieves Can't. And I just felt like Tamara Pierce was, like, yelling at me that kid is a slang word throughout this book. <laughs> this is my favorite running joke in this book, because I remember being a kid and, like, buying it. Like, when I was young and I read this book, I was like, whoa, kid, as a thieves can't thing? Like, kid is cool. And, uh... There's so much thieves can't that's just words. I have no idea what Briar's doing thieves can't. <laughs> Sandry is there and is like, 
What is a kid? <laughs> Father! Father, what is the strange young man saying? <laughs> yeah, yep. Anyway, please continue actual language. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, there's Briar, who knows thieves can't, and will just kind of drop it for some cred sometimes because... He's a huge nerd and a goth. Um, you gotta keep up your cred somehow. Yeah, he just wants to seem cool, and he's doing his best. He cut all the sleeves off his shirt, and that's very important. Um, <laughs> I did, I like that line. Yeah, he cut the sleeves off all his shirts. This isn't about linguistics. It's just very important. Uh, Nico had... Ni- okay, no, I'm gonna talk about Nico and the knives later. But... So <laughs> what we learn about Thieves Can't is that it's like more really more of a slang than a secret language as far as we've seen it used. Um, we, yeah. Yeah. So it's more of just like an accent really or a dialect than uh, another language that you can use to keep it totally on the download, which I think is more in line with literal real life. What? Literal <laughs> real life Thieves Can't? What the what am I saying? I'm so confused. <laughs> Isn't like the def- definition of a cant is like a slang system? Like, how do you say the one that's like Polari or whatever? Right, it's a slang system that's at least in part intended or used it to keep things secret from the outgroup. Anyway, so thieves cant is a type of slang used kind of to help you do thievery. That's all. And... Not always thievery. It is to help keep things secret. Yeah, help keep things on the deal. I would say that a thieves can't is for thievery, <laughs> Shelby. I think other can'ts might be for other things. That's true. There are other can'ts, though. <laughs> I'm saying this because there are lots of oppressed social groups that use can'ts that are not for thieving. They're just for, yes. like, not getting beat up. Ugh. Yes, but thieves can't is used by thieves. Yes. So I don't think you're really like <laughs> reflecting badly upon them should you accuse them of thievery. I think that they're kind of asking you to call them thieves um, in that it's called thieves can't. Anyway, um, but so on w- one quarter of the house, we have Briar doing his thieves can't, confusing Sandry so deeply by using some words. And then there's another quarter of the house where Daja is and Daja has traitor talk, which is, uh, as far as I can tell, a lot more of a full language um, and one thing that's fun about that is Daja gets to keep slowly learning that everyone else also speaks <laughs> traitor talk except for Triss. <laughs> and it's very good. I also really like the idea of traitor talk because I don't know that it's the most realistic in terms of like actual language development, but I think that um, like sort of like blended language systems are super interesting like uh creoles and wait do we know it's a blended language i feel like it's implied that it's like a mix of different languages because they travel so much but i could be getting that from a later book i don't know that it's in this book yeah i didn't really get that impression from my read um so i'm looking forward to hearing more about that then in the future i'm I hope that we get to kind of dig into this stuff a little more because right now it's kind of just here's the concept that was introduced to you. Like, here are these 
here are these teens who know multiple languages or have like different ways of interacting both in common and in their own dialects and that's really interesting and I really like it yeah I also I just realized that I'm a little worried about how well I'll be able to talk about these books because um I should have talked about this back at the beginning but like this was my biggest like daydreaming book universe where (laughs) I would just think about it all the time and so I think I might have invented some stuff (laughs) (laughs) i'll reread the books and then the things that are real will stick with me this podcast is about to become a bit of a transformative work huh listen my transformative work is that um trader talk is a creole and i want to talk about how creoles are cool because sometimes there's two groups of people and they speak a language that works for conversing but then when children learn the language it becomes a full language with a grammar because kids are so good at language and that's amazing and that's a real linguistics fact for you um with i could cite something but i don't have that with me (laughs) but maybe i'll look it up (laughs) So I think that we can probably get more into linguistics in later books, but right now I'm just excited to be here. Yeah, yeah and they have, it's really funny when different people speak trader talk, but those are some good, good moments. Yeah, just really good when Daja keeps being like, okay, this is my thing. And someone else is like, in trader talk, oh, is this your thing? <laughs> you have a thing? That's cool. <laughs> also, specifically, like, this is actually used for character development. My favorite part being, like, you know, um, Sandry says something in Trader Talk, and Dodge is just like, your accent is terrible. And then Sandry's like, I know! With, like, a giant smile. And you're like, that is the most uh. Sandry way to react. And then I think Briar is all prickly about it. And like, yeah. Oh, that is the most Sandry <laughs> way to react. I really like Sandry. Um, then let's move on to our next segment, um, which is character stuff, which it looks like we never named in the other podcast. Yeah, we never named it. That's fine. <laughs> what, should, we, should we name it now? Dedicates, discipline, circle, magic, we've friends. <laughs> Welcome to Dedicates. That seems fine for right now. Welcome to Dedicated Discussions. Anyway, we're going to talk about characters now. <laughs> um, I'm curious to know, Grace, because you said earlier who your yeah. least favorite character is. It's been eating away at me, and I have to know. Okay, when I was younger, I did not like Triss, but now I like her, and I'm excited to go reread books with a more open mind. But also part of why I didn't like her was that I felt like we had similarities and I didn't like her <laughs> uh, the way that she was. Yeah. I mean, we both have red hair and are kind of intense. So <laughs> I feel like this may be a common problem. Like, she's she's the nerdy one, she's the bookish one, and she's, like, very prickly. She's yeah. the one who got horribly bullied and never learned to try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I think when I read it when I was younger, too, also, Tris, I was like, yeah, she's so prickly, and yeah, also, I was also a chubby child, and yeah, could relate, and didn't like the fact that I could relate. Girls got anxiety, is afraid of her own body and mind as a weapon, was horribly bullied, 
uh, and abandoned, doesn't believe anyone could like her. It's fine. We all relate. It's okay. We're older now. We understand. And we can like her a lot. Yeah. We own our our bodies and our mind and our power and we're ready to like Tris. <laughs> yeah. Yay, Tris. We have some good friends who we care about just like Tris is getting right now and we're gonna and we've learned to open our hearts and so is she. Ah, you guys, we've lived our transformation arts, you know? (laughs) Wow, don't you love not being able to project on someone? (laughs) I do. It's a great feeling. (laughs) Oh, I love Tris a lot, folks. Yeah. You're like, wow, I was so angry when I was a kid, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Had a lot of those feelings, huh? (laughs) Anyway... Uh, yeah, but I now it's also a weird transformation moment I had, maybe just because, and I think we talked about this in like early Alana, early Kel, early Dane, but uh, these books, last time I read them when I was pretty young, I was like, ah, oh, these are like, like friends of like, I related to them as like, yeah, and now I'm like, ah, oh, my kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not that old, but like, I related so much more to Lark and Rosethorn, which also mm-hmm. like, Hello, apparently early models of queer representation for me. Thank you. But <laughs> I was just going to say, I love all the characters in this book so much. I didn't really get to bond with them at a young age or anything. But like you get such good tiny character notes like Briar got here, cut all the sleeves off his shirts. <laughs> love that vibe. Like, uh, San- like, Sandry is just endlessly sunny and does not, like, wants people to like her, but also, like, doesn't super care. Just kind of is doing it, being aggressively, like, nice. I also like that Nico's like, I'm sort of a treasure hunter, but all we've seen him <laughs> do is keep bringing children home, so, like... Because the children are the treasure. <laughs> the treasure is the great friendships that he's making. Um, also, for bit parts, my favorite bit part is probably... Probably Kirill, who's like just super freaked out by the little kid who picks up molten metal. <laughs> but like, can admit he was being a little uh, judgy and comes back and is like, I'll be good now. Gosh, best Daja moment is just like, oh, is this is this not what I'm supposed to be doing? <laughs> is this weird? Did I do something? <laughs> you know, I've never thought about it before. Is this weird? <laughs> I am so excited to see more of Daja because I feel like we didn't really get enough of her because she spent so much of it in mourning or Mm -hmm. um, sort of just like, I feel like her trauma was very much like a lot and included getting outcast from her social group and social Mm -hmm. and familial group. And so I feel like we didn't get as much of her in like a good place. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also really sad because I feel like um, you get a picture kind of of Sandry like loved her family but her life was kind of lonely Um, but Daja seems like she had like a really good life Mm -hmm. that felt very fulfilling that kind of got taken away and Mm -hmm. Sandry is still mostly in the culture that she grew up in even if she lost her family and uh, Daja is really not and um, is really different from her surroundings and there's a lot of like real i feel like sad parts there yeah also like if you haven't read these books daja is like a child who almost her whole family died in a shipwreck 
then she was brought back to her like to her society and they basically said like you're unlucky and you're exiled now please understand goodbye and that's a lot (laughs) and i care about her a lot (laughs) right and like the mark to like the uh staff is is such like a meaningful symbol of like even when people of her culture see her like they see her they can tell she's not one of them anymore and that's oh it's just really sad Mm -hmm. it's really sad love daja love daja daja's great she does get frostpine at least who is also so great another childless dad another childless dad (laughs) folks this book is chock full of dads (laughs) this book has two moms two dads all childless and four kids in desperate need of some guidance. <laughs> well, also, Lark, former acrobat, not a housebird uh, yet. <laughs> I, I forgot that she was a former acrobat until you said it right now. Oh my, she, I love these characters. <laughs> yeah, I really want to know too, like... I want to know so much more about Lark and Rosethorn, like, so much more about them and their relationship, and, like, uh, I just love them. Yeah. Like, let's just take a quick segue into queer stuff. Those are lesbians. They're wives. <laughs> They're wives. They might not be lesbians. They're definitely wives. <laughs> Two wives. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Somebody needs to do some research about if that's uh, real, because I feel like it is, but I have not looked oh, yeah. into it. Oh, it's, yeah. It's canon in later books. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Shelby. Wait, canon? Wow, I did not remember that. That's awesome. Like, far, far later books, but yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought, and then I was like, did I imagine that? <laughs> oh, my God. It's been a while since I reread the later books. I'm really excited to get to them, though. Rosethorn was bisexual and polyamorous. Wait, what are you reading, Amy? <laughs> The Tamra Pierce wiki. It just seemed like you so instantly had it on your phone that I was confused. (laughs) These thumbs are made to type into Google. Is Rosethorn a warrior cat name as well? I think so. Okay, I love that Briar and Rosethorn are like... Their their names match. I also love like... Rosethorn is everybody's mom, but she's most Briar's mom. Yes, that is delightful. Can we really quickly... Sorry, I just want to really quickly say something about Briar that's important, which is he chose his own name. He chose his own that name. That's really nice. Because he loves plants, and one time he accidentally grabbed some Briars while he was climbing a fence to look at plants, and then he was very scarred by them, and that. but he loves plants so much. And he much. was like, what's a plant that's tough? <laughs> Yeah. He admired how fierce they were and how tough, even though they hurt him. Nico saw this boy who was called Roach and is like, you have a chance to change your name now. What do you want? And he was like, I would like my name to be Rose or Briar. How about Briar Rose? Gonna do that. And I love him. I love him. Also, can you, can you imagine Nico in this moment? Like, I've just been like, come here to find this kid with plant magic. And I find him and he is like... The most plant. He loves plants. I love how much he's constantly like, plants? No. Who likes plants? Not me. Don't look under my bed. Don't. Not me. Not even into them. Don't look under my bed, though. (laughs) God. 
I'm imagining a side universe where he picked Brian, and it's <laughs> much less good. Brian, no. oh, so boring. Right, Brian. Oh gosh, I keep calling him Briar Rose, and I know it's Briar Moss. Yeah. Whatever. That's the um, Moss. Sleeping Beauty, I think. Um, yeah, Briar Moss, because of the moss in his cell, and he likes it so much even though he's in jail he is a he is in a real horse book situation with the tiny tree that he steals he really is that's a, a real horse book about a tree there he's a yeah. soft boy soft boy uh, he, uh, okay. okay so we've done Triss <laughs> why we love Triss and feel things about Triss why we love Sandry and feel things about Sandry have we fully fully talked about Sandry it is we, we did talk yeah. I think about Sandry yeah, I love her. Her stubborn chin. How she's so cheerful. We're gonna, we're gonna. Let's be real. We're gonna come back to all of these people in the friendship section. So she does have a stubborn chin. She has a definitely stubborn chin. <laughs> love. Oh, actually, I, you know, I was gonna try to get us to move on, but I have one last thing about Sandry <laughs> that I really loved, which is the moment where she's talking to Daja about why she's so stubbornly trying to be Daja's friend. And she's like, oh, well, I traveled all the, all over and, like, you know, no one ever wanted to be my friend because I was, like, the weird foreign girl. So I just learned to, like, try real hard. And I loved that. I loved this, like, she's not, like, just so perfectly wonderful of a friend, like, because that's who na- she naturally is. Like, she decided she needed to learn how to be a good friend and to work at being a good friend. And so she's a good friend because she tries really hard. And I was like... I also think it's remarkable that not only does she, like, try to be a good friend, but that she, there are certain people that she doesn't want approval from. Yeah. And those are people who are, like, racist to Daja. I just love her so much, and I love, um, I feel like there's, like, the whole book is about, like, creation and creating things and being stubborn about things that you want to, like, it's not about organic growth, it's about creating and building and I think that's really cool and I really like the idea of like relationships don't just happen they're work you pick to have them and you pick to knit them closer together and you pick to pour work into them because you care about them and you care about the people um and I think that's so cool and just like again I just think this is a great book for young readers and I'm like really happy that it existed for me and coming back to the book just reminded me a lot about how glad I am I've read it. And Sandry is really core to that specific metaphor. And I think that's why it's Sandry's book. The first one is because yeah. like, she is the one both like in social spheres, but also literally with her spindle, like <laughs> I was going to say knitting together, but it's really spinning together this friendship. <laughs> um, and, and that's what makes her the hero of this one specifically, is, is that, like, intentional community building and friendship building. Right. And how cool for that to be the hero of a book, right. you know? Like, how unusual and how cool. And I feel like the Tortal books uh, have really great, but in some ways, like, takes on common hero tropes. I can't think of a single other book that has a hero like Sandry, and that, I think, is so cool. Magnus Chase, actually a bit, but other than that, <laughs> can't think of it. And he <laughs> he also, like, it had to be, like, his fifth series, so. <laughs> well, does anybody have any last character things? Any last characters they want to get to? I love them. I love them all. 
Great. Looking forward to hanging out with this ragtag group of misfits. <laughs> well, with that, everybody, let's segment to Social Justice Corner, which I don't think we have to rename. Um, and I think we're going to round out this part one of Sandry's book. We're going to make it two parts <laughs> by talking about feminism in the book. And I think this comes up in two main ways. Somebody... I forget who, Shelby or Grace, made a really good point that, like, there are a lot of female characters in this book, which is nice, because we didn't really have that in the Tortle books. Yeah, I would say, I think it, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I have this rule of, like, you can't have good representation if you only have one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what it is, because if you only have one, you're saying, you unintentionally kind of end up saying like all of x kind of people are like this and we have so many female characters in this book so like inevitably we get to see women with different interests and different skills just because there's like seven of them thanks Mora. <laughs> yeah i also i love how many women there are in this book and that i think that it there's no excuse not to have this many women in any book. And I think, um, you know, occasionally, you know, the constructions of past books um, that we've talked about have made it harder to build women in. I mainly am mad about people who are like, what do you mean there should be more women in Alana? She's at a boys' school. And I want to make that point without making that point. And I don't think I can do it. Well, I think that you can say, like, in other books, the characters were often in situations where Tortal is not a world that has, like, gender equality, really. Or it does, but not in a way where, like, women can do the kinds of things that alana does and be in a space that has a lot of women in it in a way that is easy for the narrative to justify um mm -hmm. and this book doesn't have that because it's set in a different universe where we haven't really seen that much of like that much difference in gender among different jobs other than like brian like the main th gender thing that i saw was brian being like oh i have to hang out with girls and their feelings <laughs> Ryan when he's being annoying, I guess. I can't change his... I can't call him Brian. He His name is Briar, and it's important to him, and I can't call him no, Brian. No, it was a beautiful moment. We can't take away his self-chosen name. It's true. I'm so sorry, Briar. Briar's annoying straight alter ego, Brian. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Briar... Uh, Briar whose name is Briar. Um, <laughs> but when he first starts living in the house, he's kind of like, oh, girls? If I were asked to be friends with girls, I would say, no, thank you. Don't need any girls. They have them and their feelings. Wow. Wouldn't want to hang out with girls. And that's like, that's the most that we see of anyone being like, women are lesser. Whereas the Tornal books are sort of about directly confronting a society where women are seen as lesser. So these characters are not often in situations where, in the Tortal books, these characters are not often in situations where they are surrounded by women who are like-minded and doing similar things because they are all doing things that are overcoming specifically gender-based barriers. Right. And I think, too, there's like a something of a point to be made that I'm not sure if I can make well about different waves of feminism and having 
um, rhetoric that's like women are just as good as men and then being able to move to like women are amazing let's just celebrate having communities of women you know and like strengths that um, are like societally coded as feminine and stuff like that like I think there's some correlation there that that's about as well as I can do which that. maybe moves into um, Kelly's other point you had your other point before <laughs> yes. we went on this tangent. Yes, I can. I can. Here's our segment, Kelly's Other Point. <laughs> Welcome to Kelly's Other Point, where Kelly makes another point. <laughs> Kelly. Where Kelly continues her first point. I'm Kelly, and I'll be making a point now. <laughs> Which is, um, I, when I was reading these books, one of my biggest reflections from reading the Tortle books as um, more of an adult was that I felt like they really privileged, like really like fighting um, over other things. Even like when we had characters like Allie and Dane who weren't like as directly like trying to be knights, like they still spent a lot of their time fighting and doing like really individualistic magic that like, or magic or skills that like lit, were tied into combat somehow. And we didn't really see like a lot of what might be coded as more like traditional women's work and things that are like more craft-based being held up. And in fact, I think we even saw them like a lot of the time being like put down like Tamora Pierce saying like, oh, why would, or like Tamora Pierce, I think, through Alana saying like, oh, I wouldn't want to do this boring girl thing. Ew, so gross. Who wants to learn how to sew? I just want to fight. And, you know, like we had a few characters in some of the later series that like were doing more traditional feminine things. I'm using air quotes, you can't see them. (laughs) Um, but it certainly wasn't prominent and that I really enjoyed that in this series um that like the idea of doing these like craft-based trades some of which like especially like spinning thread is like super feminine that could be like a cool magical thing that you could like want to do and it's like also interesting and fun and valuable and I really liked that about this series Yeah, I also love that in the light of the idea that this book, The Final Conflict, was about just four people trying to be safe, because I think that sometimes wanting to be safe can mean meeting violence with violence and overpowering Mm. it. But in this, it was just about protecting yourself in a small group and like working with the people important to you and with your strengths to keep yourself from harm. And I think there is a real difference between those two things that I don't know how to articulate. But the latter is the one that I find more comfort in. Like, of course, I like the power fantasy of meeting violence with violence and becoming out unscathed or coming out scathed but victorious. But sometimes there is a lot of that. Sometimes there is just a lot of that. And that is supposed to be the only answer. And Yeah, and I think I would argue harder to write a novel in which the main conflict is not interpersonal conflict, right? Like, which it is not here. Here it is, like, I mean, in the classic kind of, like, man versus man, man versus nature, man versus whatever else, this is three small children versus nature. Four? Four. Four small children and a tiny dog. Very famously four of them. Anyway. (laughs) Significantly four, thank you. Yeah, no, this is four small children versus nature. And so, like, you get this story that doesn't require a very combative finale or or anything. And that is, like, lovely to read. And it Mm -hmm. lets you have these themes about, like, 
friendship and bonding and like being stronger together um which i think is also like a beautiful thing because like most of life like is challenges that are more about coming together than fighting other people like that's like very important and i i do genuinely believe the world would be a better place if we were more likely to think of the problems we face as being about banding together rather than being about competing with each other. So, like... (sighs) Yeah, like, about the power you find in self-reliance versus the power that you find on banding together. Okay, that clarifies things. (laughs) No, I think that's really true. I think those are both big powers uh, or, like, big things to talk about. And I love that we've read books that are about both. Um cat is very close to the microphone um i also i was thinking a little bit while you were talking shelby i just i was thinking about how we live in really hard times and i feel like sometimes i feel like the ultimate power fantasy is just being able to keep yourself and the people that you love safe from harm um and there's like some beauty in just telling that story in a really pure way and saying like and then they were safe Mm -hmm. like that's really a good ending and and especially they kept each other safe. I think that's kind of the best ending. It's making me think a lot about uh, a Lucy Dacus song that um, is all about like taking care of me and mine. And I just think like that's what we can do in hard times is make sure to take care of each other. And I like that this book made me think of that. Well, we're all basically crying now in our hearts. <laughs> happy tears. So for those of you who can't see us on <laughs> this video chat. This book is really just, like, cracking into some feelings that I've been having lately in this wild, wild, tumultuous world. Listen, sometimes your country impeaches a whole president, and somehow that does nothing. Yeah. Um, And then you just have to think about something else that might do something. And sometimes you think, maybe the only thing that does something is if I make sure to look out for other people and trust them to look out for me. Yeah, something nothing matters over and over again, and then the only thing that matters is being good to other people. Well... With that thought, shall we shall we tie this string of this podcast up into a circle of friendship? Of friendship? Yes. And I can't. A circle is round and has no end. Just how I want to be your friend. Wow, we all started lagging on that, so it was pretty bad. (laughs) It sounded awful, but it was still heartwarming for me. It was heartwarming. Well, listeners, we hope your hearts were also warmed. Um, A circle is round, it has no end. The winter is cold, but the light of friendship lights up our lights in the darkness and warms us. So, (laughs) Tell someone you love them today, like text a friend, pet a dog. I'm doing that right now. We're not doing palace gossip this time, but we would love to hear from you all. So please get in touch with us, especially about the Emelon books, especially about the Sandry book, and we'd love to read your palace gossip on perhaps even the second half of this podcast, but if not, we'll read it on the next Emelon book. Yes. Make us cry about friendship. It's not that hard. <laughs> okay, so places that you can get in touch with us are tortorecall at gmail.com, 
tortlerecall.tumblr.com and tortlerecall on Twitter. So please feel free to reach out to us anywhere. We love hearing from you and getting your perspectives on these books that you read and that we also are reading or sometimes that you didn't read. That's also fun. And also specifically <laughs> on segment names. Yes, Just please. putting that out there. We would love some of those. If you can come up with a good segment name, we'll definitely like give you credit. I don't think we have anything else we can give you. But Our appreciation. And um, one quick unrelated thing. I have an audio drama out and you can listen to it if you want, but you don't have to. It's called The God's Head but Incidental. But you should. But you, it's, I like it. I think that the actors and uh, sound design is good. Give us that name one more time, Amy. It's called The God's Head Incidental and you can find it on iTunes. It's called Apple Podcasts it's now. It's very good. 10 out of 10 would recommend. I think I was causing background noise earlier when I said the name of my cat's Instagram, so this is my clean take. It's fig, like the fruit, fruit wash, <laughs> F-I-G dot cat, C-A-T, like the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kelly Shelby, is there anything you would like to plug? I don't really have anything to plug, no. I would like to plug Amy's podcast, it's very good. <laughs> oh yeah, I should plug that. Yes, <laughs> no. Amy's podcast is good. Um, I oh I think I've plugged like other things before. I just really enjoy nature, so I recommend that. <laughs> the concept of nature, Kelly. Any particular part of just, it? Just like the all part. Um, you can do it if you pick one biome. Oh, pick one biome. I I mean I've repped the California coastline on this podcast before, so I feel like that I can't do it again. Um, come to Chicago. It's winter. You'll, it'll hurt you. Okay, I'm going to rep Redwoods, which do live very close to the California coast, but it's not quite the same as, like, the coastal sagebrush biome. Everybody loves a good redwood forest. They're fantastic. And this time of year, quite lovely. They're quite lovely every time of year, but especially green right now in California where it's raining. <laughs> oh, you lucky duck. Yeah, it's especially gray right here in Minnesota where it's negative 10. <laughs> well, let's wrap yeah. this up. <laughs> And until next time. <laughs> See you, Tortellini. We have gone a little bit past the time that we intended, so we aren't going to end with Palace Gossip or anything, although Palace Gossip has a new name. We renamed it Voices on the We don't need to tell them what we... Dang it! I'm going to tell them! We renamed it Voices on the Winds! This is the one name we came up with ahead of time! (laughs) We prepared something! We're not going to use it, but we prepared it! Oh my gosh, guys, we're falling apart. This may set a record for punchiest podcast episode. (laughs)